Assalamu alaikum everyone. Welcome back to another episode. Guys, let's do an episode where we just sit here and talk because it has been so long. Guys, life updates, story times, let's ramble, let's talk, and most importantly, let's share realistic ways to improve your life because that is what this episode is about. That is what has been going on. I have so much to tell you guys because I have not recorded in a really long time. I mentioned this before, I have a lot of saved and drafted episodes and I'm really busy so usually I just post those. So it's like when I actually get to sit down and record, it's like, oh my god, it feels so long and sometimes I feel like I forget how to, you know, talk to Mike. (laughs) So welcome to this episode, which is all going to be on realistic ways to improve the quality of your life. This is going to be a no BS, none of those really unrealistic things. Um, This is not going to contain anything that's super hard to do or anything that is very pretentious and, you know, things that people say on social media, but you know you can never apply. This is not that. Um, I wanted like a real way to share things on how to improve your life, realistic small things that if you do you'll see a really big difference in your life because I have spent time doing these things and I feel like these things improve the quality of my life and also my iman and just like you know let's vibe check like talk about life for a bit because I feel like sometimes these little talks are important to learn how we can improve our own life and whatever in the third so this first one might be a little bit of an eye roll I know that a lot of people don't like hearing this one and I'm gonna talk about this one for a bit because this one If there's anything that made the biggest difference, it's this one. I'm going to be honest. So, as of February 2024, I have officially left social media for the past few months now. Now, here's the thing. I have left social media in the sense that I don't go on it anymore in my leisure time. I've left it completely. I use social media for work. I have people making the content that I post and I basically don't really manage social media like that anymore. It was a really hard decision to make because there's always a sense of like, well, I always have to be active. I have to look at something. And I don't know if you guys could tell by my voice, I'm happier. I am so much more happier. I swear, wallahi, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish I could tell you guys. I'm so much better. I feel like there was so much that came with social media beyond overstimulation, which I want to talk about here. But the first thing you always hear is I'm less overstimulated when I left social media. I want to tell you what leaving social media did for me, which is kind of funny because a lot of you guys have found my podcast. I found my content through social media. But my whole podcast, I want to do something for somebody and even one person in a way that improves your life. And I know that you guys always hear the whole leave social media. It makes you less overstimulated. Today, I want to convince you why you really should so I know that in a way it's kind of funny because all my work is on social media and that's how I promote myself that's how I promote my podcast but I genuinely forget my podcast I want to be someone that when you think about the quality of your life you're like oh that person helped me improve the quality of my life that's all that I want I don't I don't care about views I don't I don't care about those things anymore I feel like especially after a certain time Like after you've been doing a podcast for some time, like I've always been very grateful for all of the ranks and whatever I've ever received or the views or whatever it might be. But now it's like I, even from the get-go, like I want to be someone that you guys think about and y'all like she improved the quality of my life. And in less than like two, three months of me leaving social media, I can't tell you how much life has changed. So for starters, 
um, to address the elephant in the room, if you go on my Instagram, I do still have recent posts and I have people making posts for me. I have people making content for me and it gets posted. And if there's something that I want to post myself specifically, here's how I go about it. And this is advice for anyone that wants to do that on social media. When I initially came to the decision that I had to leave social media, it didn't come in the nicest way. In January, I ended up getting really, really really sick and I ended up in the urgent care four times and it was like a really rough time in my life. I got misdiagnosed one time. Um, I ate the wrong medicine because I got misdiagnosed and then I went I went to a couple doctors back and forth who basically found out that I shouldn't have been eating that medicine that I ate. That made all my symptoms worse. It made everything worse. I was already sick and I ended up missing a really big exam in school um, and it was so hard to just really like deal with everything i was missing exams at school i had a quiz day i got back and i kept sending like requests to my teachers like please please give me a chance i'm a star please give me a chance like let me move this i know and mind you it's like the start of the semester so obviously my teachers just saw it as like oh this is a student who's not studying and just wants to like an excuse or something like that i was missing labs i was missing so many things and i was so sick it was not even funny it came to the point that even my parents were like what do we do with her because usually my parents were like okay you're gonna eat your medicine you'll be fine but they started to get pretty worried and my parents were like you are not going to school like we're not gonna let you go with how sick you were anyway I did end up going one day because I had a quiz I took the quiz I came home and I was I felt like my head was literally erupting it was so much I had such a bad headache and I was blacking out and I was about to fall and I go to my mom I clapped on her bed I'm like mom the back of my head like my entirety I feel like I'm gonna explode Anyway, end up in the urgent care again. After I found I got misdiagnosed and I shouldn't have been eating what the other doctor gave me. Anyway, long story short, it was chaotic. And I remember it was a really bad time because when you are sick, the only thing you really can do is be on your phone, which of course is not a fun thing. But like even praying was hard. There were so many symptoms and so many parts of my body. I was just, I was just done. Like I needed to be factory reset, thrown in rice. Like I'm done. And I was so down bad. And at that time, the only thing you could do is be on your phone. And I was just on my phone and I was just doom scrolling because in the back of my mind, I'm thinking about all oh, the quizzes, assignments, schoolwork, jobs. Mind you, I work a few jobs. Everything I'm just missing, missing, missing. I felt so behind and I was just collapsing. But beyond that, it was this time. This is about to get dark. It was this time that I realized that I have anxiety and I have never taken it seriously. And I guess this is like, I guess this is where things get a little bit more personal. And I'm going to talk about it walking on eggshells. But basically, I feel like the term anxiety is really hard to just say now. It's hard for I, I have a hard time saying, oh, I have anxiety. Because a lot of times anxiety is viewed in the pop psychology term of like, oh my god, I'm just, you know, like, I, it's very common now for people to throw the word anxiety around. But I will never forget the day I ended up in urgent care because I was having a really bad panic attack. Literally just felt like I was dying inside because like I said, I ended up in the urgent care multiple times. And I was sick, but I was having a really big anxiety attack and panic attack. I just like, I was exploding. And when they checked everything, they're like, we think you're having a panic attack. And the first thing I said was, no, I'm not. Because anyone who's ever had a panic attack or who has anxiety, you never admit up to it. I was like, I'm not. Mm -mm, I'm not. I'm not. And the doctor, he's a really old school doctor. He's a Muslim you're a doctor he's like but that's the thing like you're always going to be in denial about it a lot of people that are anxious are in denial about it and you know i know some people that every single time they see their doctor their doctor says you are depressed and they're like i'm not 
and they walk away and they're depressed. And I feel like it came to a point where I started to think about life. And I remember I went home that day. And that was like the first time that I guess you could say my anxiety got so bad that I didn't realize it was getting this bad that it blew me out of control and proportion. And I never recognized it. Because a lot of times, even that day, like I look back at it and I'm like, I don't, I can't tell if I was anxious or not. But what, what I will say was that the past last months of 2023 were really, really hard on me. And I think that coming out of that fight or flight mode was something I wasn't capable and doing very well. I think that's that's what it really was. I wasn't doing very well coming out of fight or flight or like survival mode because of some of the things that I was going through in my personal life, which I don't want to talk about, but like personal things, some things that I will never even, you know, I can't even think on. But I feel like I wasn't coming out of it well. And then with everything going on with school and work and job and life and expecting yourself to just get up on your two feet and continue to go as you're going, even when you're sick. Like, I feel like everything was piling. And I think that it was more of an accumulation of thinking about my past and thinking about things that have happened and then falling in random rabbit holes, eating the wrong medication, literally being medicine soup, eating the wrong medication, getting sick, having side effects from those medications, having anxiety and panic attacks with everything going on, having literal attacks like fight or flights when I used to think about some of the things that happened in my life before like certain memories that started to trigger me really badly and then I couldn't cope with them like it's I guess it's hard to say because on social media like you'll see a lot of people talk about panic attacks and anxiety and you know these type these types of things and it's it's it sucks because I feel like pop psychology and just the term of people throwing these things around has really belittled it but I guess now I guess it had to happen that way. It had to happen that way for me to understand that I was being my own enemy and I was being really, really hard on myself. I was being really hard on myself and I was having a very hard time controlling my thoughts. I was having a hard time, you know, being present. I felt like I was living in my past. Um, I felt like some of those triggering memories used to come to me in random times when I was showering, whatever it might be. And I think it's embarrassing to admit on social media because people are kind of also like, you see, you know, people don't, I guess it's like a mix. Like some people are really real about this stuff and then some people are not. And when people are really real about it, people just view it as like a pop psychology trendy topic. But I just, I can't, I can't put into words what some of those triggering things were in just life. I can't even, I don't, I'd rather not. But all those things accumulate life accumulates and I guess you could say when you don't take the time to process things and you think that when if you give it time you know things will just get better some things just don't get better that way and I think that'll be my first thing and I'll wrap up back on the social media thing you'll get how this starts from there but I think my first thing would be to understand that time doesn't necessarily how can I word this Time doesn't necessarily fix everything if you don't allow time to fix everything. And by that, I mean that there are certain actions, certain things that you have to do in order to come into terms with whatever has happened in your life or whatever is causing you trauma or has triggered you um, to allow time to fix it. Because if you don't address it and you just let it be, time is going to take you where you left it. You've left the thought. Uh, this is what happened oh my god bro that sucked that was so traumatic you're never gonna think about it again you think to yourself if I don't think about it and I let time deal with it time will just take me out of this loop and I'll feel better time does heal us but we have to allow time to heal us and that requires actions that requires patience but the thing is a lot of times we throw the blanket of time fixes all things time does fix things but you also have to allow time to fix you if you do not do the things that you know are going to help you 
then how will time fix you? Time is going to be the same linear thing where you're going to have the same linear thoughts that you had previously. Whether that happened, you know, three years ago and three years fast forward, time is going to reflect back on the same thing that you thought three years ago. It's not going to give you a new thought or a new idea or a new cycle or a new way of thinking if you don't let it give you that. And so it's like a mix of patience, the mix of actions. And I guess you could say that that was like kind of the time where I recognized that I threw the time will fix everything blanket on a lot of things, but I had to fix some of those things myself. And like anyone who has been through a lot of things, I know some of my listeners have been through beyond traumatic things. I'm not talking about the little, you know, surface level things. I mean, I know some of my listeners that I can't even put into words what they've been through. And it's like... When something really traumatic happens in your life, you kind of look at it and think that if I give it enough time, it'll be okay. But there's some things that you have to face and facing doesn't necessarily mean, you know, you sit there and you just think about it, think about it. I mean, if that's what that's what facing it for you means, then that's what facing it for you means. But that's where I started to figure out ways to let this out of me. Because I, I believe firmly in this. I always had a physical therapist who always said this. <laughs> they said that your body is a reliable piece of information. So listen to it. And I firmly believe that what you store in your body emanates and comes out one time or another. Right? I firmly believe that. I firmly believe if you store the things that have hurt you in your body, you carry the mountains of things that have hurt you in your body, at one point or another, your body's going to give in. And on a more basic level, if you just keep working and working and working and don't take care of yourself, your body's going to take a break. Whether you want it to take a break right now or you don't. I would have said, I remember saying this to my friend. I was like, this is the most inconvenient time for me to get sick. Well, my body doesn't care. My body had my body got sick. It doesn't care. And it's one of those things that you, you think that you're doing yourself a favor by ignoring the things that have hurt you or quote, quote, time will fix them type of thing, that type of mindset. But you're not. Because you're going to collapse one day or another. And I guess you could say, like, it was a mix of emotions and just being in bed all day, not being able to do anything, those thoughts raised to you. And I remember one day I was just, again, doom scrolling, doom scrolling. And at this point, I, for a few months, I think I've talked about this before on my podcast, for a few months I've attempted and I have lowered my social media time tremendously. Where, like, I'll go on it just at night before bed or I'll go on it at certain times. But... This is when, like, I officially decided I'm done doing it on my leisure time. Like, I'm done with it as a whole. This is now a working thing for me. Like, I open up my email to work. I'm opening up Instagram to work. I'm not here to leisure. I'm not here to scroll and like pictures. I'm not here necessarily to view stories or keep up with people. Um, I'll have people make content. I'll have people do things. But, like, if I know that I have to do something specifically work-related or brand-related, then, you know, then... We get on to work and we get off and that's not going to be every day. There's days and days and days and days now I don't get on it. And I guess you could say all the doom scrolling, all the thoughts. I felt like the first thing that I had to get rid of in my life was social media. And the first thing that came to my mind was, no, I can't because this is like the only thing that relaxes me. And I thought to myself, does it really relax me or does it distract me from what my problems are or what's going on in my brain? And I had a habit of like scrolling on TikTok before bed. Like that was kind of my thing. Like I go to bed pretty early. So like scrolling on TikTok was like a habit of mine because it was just like, you know, makes you sleepy. But I remember I was talking about this in a mini message and I'm going to say here, 
Social media often tells you and just puts in your face a bunch of random things you don't need to know, right? So when you wake up at 7 in the morning and you go on TikTok for no reason, because a lot of us is just finger reflex. You're standing in a long line. You're standing somewhere. You are sitting in your car. Finger reflex to click a social media app. For what reason? You don't have a reason. You just want to click it. And you will always learn and hear and listen about random things you don't need to know. Someone's telling you how they're doing their finances. Someone's telling you about, you know, their parents' relationship. Someone's telling you about a really traumatic breakup. Someone is telling you about, you know, what you should be doing to improve your quality of your life. Someone is telling you how you are a broken individual and need to be fixed. And you know what's one thing that I really recognized in this time is that we're not broken. We're not. And I'm sick and tired of social media and pop psychology and these things constantly making you feel like you're broken. They constantly make you feel like you're broken and like you need fixing. There are certain things that are part of a human being, right? Like I'll tell you, I was talking about this with my friend in the car one day. I said to her that I'm naturally a very caring person. And any time in my life that I've ever had to be like, oh, I'm nonchalant, I don't care, I ended up caring more. I'm not a nonchalant person. I can't act like I don't care. I can't. I tried for a bunch of years in my life to be like, oh, I don't care. It don't bother me. No, I care. I care. Like, I, I very much care. And I can't, I can't change that. So, like, if I meet someone in my life and they're like, bro, you know, you care too much. It's, it's a little bit overwhelming for me. I'm sorry. I can't change that. Then, like, just don't be around me. Like, that's just how I am. And it's like, I've heard that before, by the way. Traumatic story for another day. <laughs> I can't change that. There's some things about a person you can't change. And I feel like with social media and with, you know, all this pop psychology and advice, we consume too much self-help content. We consume so much that we constantly think we're broken. That problems we don't have, we start to bring to ourselves. That problems you never had, you start to think, wow, I might have that. Wow, I might have that problem. Like we start to diagnose ourselves with things we don't have. Like I won't sit here and tell you that I have a certain problem or a certain problem or a certain symptom unless it's diagnosed. Unless it's diagnosed, I just won't say that. Because who am I to sit here? I'm not a professional. I can't diagnose myself, you know? And I think the problem is a lot of times we are just constantly consuming the self-help content. And there's nothing wrong with self-help content. You know, my entire podcast is a self-help content, is a type of podcast that talks about self-help and, you know, improving your iman and your deen and whatever. But that's why I always tell my listeners, and I've mentioned this in an episode before if you're new, I always tell my listeners, like, don't, you don't have to listen to me so much. Like, if you want to, if you want me to be the one thing you listen to a week that is about self-help, then make me that thing. But if you find someone else better or, you know, you don't need to listen to self-help content right now, you don't have to listen to me. I always tell listeners that. I have 200 plus episodes. I don't expect you to go binge them. I don't expect you to consume all that self-help content right now unless you need it. I post it for the people that need it in this certain moment. I don't expect you to sit here and listen to, you know, really intense self-help episodes on your leisure time when you're feeling perfectly fine and happy. I don't. I'm being realistic. I don't care about the views. I'm being realistic. Okay? I don't expect you to do that. And I don't, I don't think that's good for you. I wouldn't want you to do that. So... I just feel like with this constant thing on social media where even if it's like a hustler culture or making more money, like, do I really need to know how you're budgeting your finances at 10 p.m. before bed when I'm about to sleep? Like, is that my business? Am I looking for financial advice right now? I'm not. Do I need to know how to get over heartbreak right now when I'm not heartbroken? I'm on my TikTok randomly. It's 8 a.m. in the morning. And these TikTok advices that are like, here's how you can make your man stay. Do, Do I need to know that? What man? Like, do I need to know these things right now? You don't. Like, do you need to know that right now? You don't. Are you married? You're not. Like, do you need to know that right now? 
And then it's like, oh, here's marriage advice for, you know, people that are thinking of having a kid. Am I thinking of having a kid right now at 8 a.m. in the morning? I'm not. Like, I don't need to know that. You know, random cooking video. That's sweet. But am I thinking about cooking, like, this right now? I'm not. Like, you don't need to know these things at random times. You know, there was a study done that talked about how the average person processes 74 gigabytes of information per day. And that's equivalent to watching 16 movies. And this information can come from a bunch of different places, like your cell phone, computer, TV, tablet, billboard. It can come from a bunch of places. But I just want you to think about yourself and how much time you might spend on social media. That's a lot. That's a lot. There were also studies done that talked about how people who have a lot of social media usage perform worse on cognitive tests, especially those that examine their attention and ability to multitask. It's, guys, it's, it's not worth it. And this affects your brain in so many ways. I don't even need to tell you guys. You guys know the plethora of studies on the internet about this. So moral, cut out social media. Now let me tell you how my life improved since I did that. Number one. The first few days that I did it, I felt like clicking it. And I was like, okay, well, let me just quickly check. Let me just quickly log on. Let me just quickly check. It's just for work. But I didn't have anything to do. So the first days, it was really hard. And the way that I managed, you know, working and leisure time was I cut out leisure time. But for work, let's say I want to post something on social media. I would have the, let's say I was making a mini message. I would say the topic. I know exactly what I'm about to do. Because a lot of times I used to just make mini messages where I used to just open up Instagram and then, oh, I'm about to go post a mini message. But look, this person posted a story and you're viewing a story, you're liking a post, you're going to someone's account. No, I would make the topic in my head and I would solely quickly go there, record the mini message and instantly leave. If it came to making a post for a brand or something like that, I would instantly, I would have it set and ready. I'd have the post and I'd have the caption made. I would post it and I'd leave. Or you can schedule posts, either or. But after that, I'd log out and leave. I wouldn't check like, you know, oh my God, how's this post doing? Or what is this person doing? I wouldn't check that. But obviously the first way to improve was I'm not as overstimulated anymore. Of course. Like I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I lost the capacity to listen to things on normal speed with social media. <laughs> couldn't do it. I used to listen to podcasts on 2X, 1.5X. And now that I think about it, I'm like, why? This is like your time to relax and listen to something. So obviously the first thing is less overstimulation. But because I feel like I've been less overstimulated, I feel like I have a more bigger control on my emotions. The first few days, even the first week was really, really hard. And what I started to do, and this will be my next tip that I'll give you to improve the quality of your life, is to try this method of journaling that I read upon. So this was a method of journaling that they do in some, that some therapists like to use with their clients. And I wanted to give it a go because I have been always, I'm really used to journaling, but I feel like a lot of times when we journal, we just say, you know, hi, diary, or if you don't, you know, I'm sad, or I feel really overwhelmed. I feel like a lot of things are going on in my life. I feel like I don't know what to do today. This, this, this happened. And some of us, we don't even write down what happened. We just write our emotions and then we shut the book. Or, you know, sometimes you're just going on a tangent. Like some people do write a lot. And then I know some people don't journal at all because they say that their mind goes faster than they can write and it just frustrates them. And that was also me. A lot of times my mind used to have all these things that I wanted to write and my hand would get tired and I get frustrated. And I'd be like, oh my God, I can't do this. So I know some people that do like video like voice recording where they just kind of like talk about their problems and then delete it later but it's just about letting it out but I feel like journaling really helps and so I did some research and I found like this I guess you could say this format of journaling that a lot of therapists use with their clients and I wanted to see how I would feel doing it 
Because again, there's nothing as great as therapy and I'd always recommend people to go to therapy and get help. But I know one thing that's part of my life that I do often is journaling, but I felt like I wasn't getting the best impact out of it. So the way that you do this, I feel like this is so effective. Highly recommend, write this down, okay? So what you're gonna do is you are gonna go online and you are on Google, okay? Not on, not on social media. Go to Google, Safari, okay? Yeah, that. Go online and find like a website or if you have a book of, you know, journal prompts, find one. And what you're going to do is you're going to write about this same exact journal prompt for four days straight. Four days. Don't, don't, don't by the third day or second day be like, okay, I wrote about enough. No, I swear, bro. I'm going to bring my diary right now. Hold on. The difference you will see by the first day and the fourth day is very interesting and maybe for some prompts you might need to do it for longer but so far i'll share some that i've done paper asmr so my first one was what are emotions that are hard for me to escape and why the very first day i wrote about this i literally cried i cried and wrote like two pages and a piece of advice i'm gonna give to anybody is if you have something that you want to journal about and you're writing, but then you're like, oh, you can't get it out of yourself because it's really hard and you just feel like crying, don't force yourself today to write about it. Try again tomorrow. Like there are some things that are really, really, really hard to write about or really, really, really hard to recall and rethink about. And you don't want to force yourself to write about it, especially on the first day. I remember the first day I cried and then I was like, I can't do this. I'm not going to do it. And then the second day I tried again. Third day I tried again. And on, by the fourth day, I... It was a really interesting entry because by the fourth day, I basically said, now that I'm answering this question for the fourth time, I start to realize that these emotions are simply emotions and don't have that much of a control over me. And I feel like it's really interesting because the first few days, like it'll really get to you. It'll be really hard. You might cry. But as time goes on, when you see these things and you see them on paper, you realize how small they are. Like when you just see like, this is my writing and this is my problem. Like you realize like, yeah, I feel that. But I am, I'm a whole human being that's greater and bigger than that. There's another one that I did that was, what are some boundaries I need for any healthy relationship? And I felt like this one was interesting because what is a boundary? What's a boundary? Really, what is it? Because a lot of times people are like, Oh, you should have boundaries in relationships. You need boundaries. And I've said that too. You do need a boundary. But what is a boundary? For some people, that might be a line you don't cross. For some people, it's a set of rules. For some people, it's a way that you kind of protect yourself. But that is so different. And we always throw out the word boundary all the time. And when I had to sit there and ask myself, what are some boundaries that I need? I was like, I was just silent for a really long time. And I wrote, what is a boundary? Because we always talk about setting a boundary, but which, what exactly is it? And how do we define what a boundary is in our own life? And I wrote that the first one I think is obviously disrespect. I think for anybody, disrespect is a boundary. Like if someone's disrespectful to you, that's instant, instantly when you're like, okay, that's not going to work. And you cut that off. But I remember the first day I had disrespect and I had lying and I had, you know, like degrading me through different ways and people that might impact my D negatively. Like I have a boundary against those type of people. But by the second, third and fourth day, it was like my answers grew. And I wrote that I have a boundary against people 
that do not know how to take accountability because quite often they make you feel like you are wrong for everything. And it's like really interesting because again, boundary, how you define a boundary or what your boundary is is different for everybody. But a lot of times we say the word boundary, boundary, boundary. I have a boundary in a relationship. I have a boundary from this. I have a boundary in my marriage. What is a boundary? Like, do you define this as something that someone can't cross? Do you define this as something that you're not going to allow to happen to you? Do you define this as something that's a protective thing for you? What is a boundary? And what are your boundaries? Because we often say, oh, that's a boundary. I don't like that. What don't you like? What is making you put up boundaries? And what is that action that makes you feel like you need one? You should know those things about yourself. And I felt like it was really interesting because again, like we hear these words, we hear these things, but we don't actually get it. The next one that I did was what are things you love about yourself, which was a really, really cliche one. But I remember I was talking with my friend one time about this, and this is where it's going to get a little cliche, but it's something I want you to think about. Oftentimes, we don't find the things beautiful about ourselves that other people don't find beautiful about us. If someone didn't compliment, you know, let's say theoretically, your hair. Maybe you've never looked at your hair and thought, wow, I have really pretty hair. If someone's never complimented your eyes, you probably never thought to yourself, wow, I have really beautiful eyes. Or maybe you did. But for the majority of people, when someone says to you, what's your best physical feature, let's say, what do you say? You probably say something that a lot of people have said you have, right? Like, if someone says to you, what's your best physical feature? You're like, oh, my nose. Why do you say your nose? Well, everyone compliments my nose, right? If someone says to you, what's your best physical feature? Oh, my hair. Why? Everyone says I have really pretty hair. I, I've always gotten compliments about my hair. Or someone says your eyes. Like, why are your eyes? Well, because everyone has always complimented my eyes. Like, I go on the street and people compliment my eyes, <laughs> right? Like, something like that, theoretically. Like, that's what people say. And I always find it interesting because... We never get the chance to look at ourselves at times and see ourselves as our own identity of beautiful things that we have within ourselves and beautiful things that make us up and get to think like, oh, I like that about myself. Because you think that your opinion is just one opinion as compared to everyone else's. But your opinion is the most important because it's your body and it's you. But loving yourself goes beyond those things. I love how caring I am. I love how loving I am. At a time in my life, I hated how caring I was. I hated how loving I was. Because to other people, I just never felt the same love and care back for them. But now I think about it, and as I'm like trying to better myself, I've learned to love the way that I love. Because the way that I love is very unique. And I always think to myself that if I met someone in my life that loved me the way that I love, I would love them. <laughs> like I would love, I would love to receive the love that I give. And if I would love to receive the love that I give, then, you know, inshallah, there's someone else out there in the world too that would like that. But you can't diminish the things about yourself that one or two, three people didn't like, or even one or two, three people did like, and think that that's the entirety of you or think that you have to get rid of that. Because loving yourself, as cliche as it sounds, it's beyond those things. It's beyond your physical feature. Loving yourself comes in actions. And it also comes in loving the things that people might at a time made you dislike about yourself. And like I said, a lot of times in my life, I hated the way that I cared. One other thing that I was thinking about the other day when I was driving, it was that I can't ever, I can't ever actually be mad. Like, you can be mad about, you know, a greater cause or like something that's going on. But like when it comes one-on-one -on -one with people, like if I'm ever in a fight with somebody, I can't ever be mad. I can't ever be like, oh my God, that pissed me off. I'm not going to talk to this person for the rest of the day. Like I remember this one day in particular, I was driving. And I got into an argument with somebody about something. 
and it wasn't a big one it was a very minuscule little fight and i was driving and i thought to myself like how bad how, like it would suck if something happened and i could not say sorry to that person it was a mutual mistake and a part of me was like no 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 let them reach out let them say sorry let them reach out let them say sorry why should you say sorry you did nothing wrong but then a part of me was like but that's not me like my entire life i've never been able to be mad at somebody for max i think like very very heavy max like three hours three hours like i might have a lot of emotional feelings and i might have a little bit of an emotional like thing in my like i don't want to call it a grudge but like an emotional feeling that i would want to have worked through and like you know have clarification on but i could never physically or like be mad and give someone a silent treatment i can't do that i hate silent treatments they drive me nuts <laughs> i hate silent treatments i could never give anyone a silent treatment i think it's disrespectful i think it's childish i think it's rude i think it's i think it's torture i think it's torture to give someone a silent treatment to i just it's disgusting to me i hate it ignoring someone like giving them the silent treatment like oh you know trying to make a game of chase i hate that it gives me the ick it's ignorant it looks disgusting to me it turns me off <laughs> i i hate that it just and that's that's not me i like things that are very simple very clear and i i don't like to be mad at people and for a good portion of my time in my life i tried my best to be like okay well you gotta be a little bit stern to stay in your boundary or else people are gonna run over you that's true that's true but I, being mad at somebody giving them a silent treatment and being like i'm not gonna talk to you bro three hours not even i caved in once i was done driving i got to where i was going i was only 10 minutes away i parked my car and i wrote a sorry message and i sent it and i remember thinking about it all day and i was like i, I just can't there's some things in life that are so minuscule and some things in life that are so big. But I think that leaving anyone off in life with the thought that you're mad at them is something that I could never, I could never swallow. Like if someone died and I knew that they were mad at me, I couldn't, I couldn't look at myself in the mirror. I can't go another day. Like I can't imagine. I can't imagine that. And so I think that fear in my life has always prevented me from being mad at people. Because a lot of times when you're mad at people, you realize how small the reason is. It's very small. And maybe some people are saying that's a little too empathetic. But I've had people in my life that did me very dirty. And I looked beyond what they did to me and showed empathy to them. And I'm not saying that to sound like the greater person or like I'm a really good individual and oh my god, look at me. But I will tell you that at times, being empathetic... And overlooking it got me got me more hurt but it taught me over time to love how empathetic I was because that's just me I I tried for I think a good portion a few years of my life to not be that but there's some things that are just me and I know that if I had someone dealing with me I'd want them to be empathetic and patient and forgiving because I know me like and as I've gotten older I look at different people that you meet in your life like like you know the person at the grocery store, the cash register, maybe they're in a bad mood. Or maybe they're going through a divorce. Like, maybe they're going through something. Maybe this is, maybe they had someone dearly in their life that died and they have to clock into work. Maybe they're having something that's irritating them. You know, someone who's taking a really long time giving you your order and you're getting pissed off, getting mad at them, glaring at them, you know, through the food counter. Like, why are they taking so long? Like, maybe they're so tired inside. Maybe this is like their 
fourth shift in a row and they're tired and you're just here you know waiting to get your food angry that they're not giving you their food fast when in reality they, they just they need a break but they can't take it like i get it that some people are like okay you know if you be that nice to everybody you get runned over but i just think that the way that you know yourself and the way that you know in certain cases you want people to excuse you with empathy because of what you're going through we should do that to others. And so I try my best to do that to others. And I also believe that as a Muslim, this is my next thing. We should try our best to always be happy. Like, try your best to be very smiley, to be very happy. You shouldn't meet anybody who is more nicer and happier than a Muslim. You know what I'm saying? So it's like sometimes I think about it and I'm like, I'm a, I'm a Muslim. And we preach in our faith about this, about optimism, about being you know, the, the best in every single interaction you have. Why is it that this random person in the elevator is beating me at it? Why are they beating me at it? And those are things I think a lot about. And I feel like after I became more optimistic and more happier in the way that I treated everyone, random people, strangers, person at the grocery store, my own family, whatever, I started to feel a lot more happier. And that really helped me. The next tip that I'll give, so the first one was cutting out that social media, really focusing on the why and what to do after. Um, the second thing being to start journaling the way that I mentioned, I feel like it was really helpful. The third thing being to be more optimistic and more cheerful, more empathetic with people and to excuse people more. The next thing that I'm going to say is, this is another really little one that I think is really nice. Have something like a very nice video to watch before bed. Not a TikTok, not something that's fast and super quick paced. So I'll give you an example. I don't really watch YouTube because I, I always used to be like YouTube is boring. But after I quit TikTok, I like to find a series or lecture on YouTube and I like to watch it before bed. And I used to never be able to do that. I used to always have it on 2x speed running in the background. But now I like to sit down and watch it. And one that I've been enjoying a lot is the one-on-one -on -one po podcast by Bilal Assad, I believe is that's his name. Oof, oof, so good. I've just been enjoying his content period because there's something about the way that he talks that is just so calming before bed, but it is so good. I've learned like a different lesson from every single one of them. And there'll be an hour, two hours long, some of his lectures or whatever he has, and I will watch them on 1x speed. Like I won't put on 1.25, 1. no, I'll watch it one on one speed because this is a time for me to learn and enjoy and be watching this. And I've learned so many different little reminders from them that improve my life. Some of the reminders being how to be more optimistic in life. And I remember it was just, oh my God, it was so sad. I can't even talk about it, but how to be more optimistic in life, despite what's going on, despite whatever health problems you have, despite whatever's going on in your life. The second one that I really watched on that I loved was about how our Quran, our relationship with the Quran is one of the most you know, secure and like closest things we have to Allah. Like this is Allah's word. And of course we can talk to Allah whenever, however, but the Quran tells us directly, you know, what is and what isn't and what, how we can get to Jannah. And we should keep that relationship strengthened in different ways, right? Like whether that's reciting the Quran or there's different ways. Like some people do all reciting the Quran, reading translation, reading the Fasid, diving in with a scholar, like different things. Like you should make your Quran constantly 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 a part of your life and then there was another one that i watched what was this on Oof, what was the other one on 
It was about like giving Darwin things among that nature and just every single thing has been so interesting because you hear these reminders and lessons often but when you sit down and you find like a lecture series or just some scholar someone that you want to watch and you really like watch their content to learn and like as a relaxing thing before bed bro so fun also reading a book i've been reading disturbed of the hearts by abnel josie love 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 it is a hard book to read hard book i will say it lives up to the title it does disturb your heart um that book there are some pages in there that after i read it i had to shut the book and I couldn't read it. I, there are some pages I can't reread. Some of them talk about the horrors on the Day of Judgment. And I'm going to tell you that that book was another thing that I think significantly improved the quality of my life. So that's going to be my next one. Read Disturb of the Hearts by Abnil Josie. Now, I know that you might be like, how does that improve the quality of your life? It was such a hard read and, you know, made you cry. I think it is because a lot of times we forget the balance between hope and fear that we should have in Allah. And I think that a lot of times we live in a really, you know, hope rainbow world and that fear of allah is like in the background and we forget it but i think that it should be something that is on the forefront as well and i think that there's nothing that i've read thus far that's really like in seconds brought that fear so to life as that book did like of course there's reminders that make you think oh my god yes that is fearful but that book it it, it is disturbed with hearts <laughs> like it's a hard read but it is so eye-opening I feel like all these things have significantly also improved my iman. Like watching these Islamic lectures, not just to say, oh, I have a lecture playing. I listened to a lecture today, but to, like to learn and truly dive into it. Reading books that, that you know, wake up that fear of Allah SWT in your heart. Journaling so you can connect more to your emotions and ground yourself in your day-to-day -day life and remember why you're here. And the other thing that I think really helped is this kind of concept. All these things have helped me be a little bit, less overstimulated and more focused in my day which have allowed me to feel more calm and more have like more time to just ground myself and focus more on my deen and not feel like I have a hundred things to do or I have to multitask or I have to doom scroll like it's taught me more to deal with my emotions and taught me more to face things but one other thing that I feel like has significantly improved or has I've been working on improving is the quality of my prayer because a lot of times we rush from our fundamentals we rush from the beginnings and we think that everything's okay but we forget that our fundamentals mentals at times are very shaky and our prayer you know a lot of us you know alhamdulillah maybe you've grown up praying but it's like how when was the last time you evaluated your prayer right and there was this thing that i made a mini message on which i'll share here and it's that every single thing that we do in life has a purpose and has a reason we go to school because we want to get educated have a nice job make get a degree that'll get us a nice job you want to get a degree so you can have a nice job you want to have a nice job so you can make a lot of money you know there's a train with everything that you do you want to have you want to get married because you know you maybe want to have a kid you want a family and you want to have kids so you're not left alone you have someone continuing on your legacy whatever it is like you have a purpose and a reason for everything you do but there is nothing greater than the purpose and reasoning of your existence and when you stand to pray you are fulfilling the literal reason you are made allah says in 5156 of the quran i did not create jinn and humans except to worship me and if allah has made us to do this this is the purpose of me being here what is the purpose of my body the purpose of my existence it is to worship allah and when i'm standing in front of allah who made me to fulfill the purpose that he made me for what's greater than that what can I possibly be thinking about on a mile a minute? My mind's running that could be greater than that. 
And I'm not saying that I'm free from those thoughts. Like, I still do get random thoughts in my mind or what I have to do before, what I have to do after. But I feel like leaving social media, leaving a lot of, like, you know, instant cheap dopamine, like, leaving those things is kind of bringing myself more down, being more grounded in my day-to-day life, having more things that are a lot more slower and enjoyable in my day. Like, just taking it a lot slower not overstimulating my brain more things at a time have helped me focus more on my prayer. It's improved my relationship with Allah. I'm not saying that social media is the all and doom bad thing. I'm just saying that the consumption level that we have right now is not okay. And I know that it sounds crazy to say that all this benefit came from leaving social media, but in my opinion, like that was that was the start of everything because having to leave that helped me focus more on me. Because so many times I was like, well, I like to do that on social media. Well, yes, that's great. And you can continue doing it. But before anything, you're going to have to answer a lot about yourself. Like, yeah, you want to help people. You want to do those great things. That's good. But when you're literally falling apart inside and even outside and you're not doing okay, like focus on yourself first. Focus on your relationship with Allah first. I remember that same day I sent a voice note to my friend when I was just so down bad. I said to her, I, I feel like I give people advice on social media about Dawah and Deen and I tell people to cope with their anxieties and how to get better but I feel like I'm not able to do any of it on my own because my entire life is so busy and the time that I do have I want to try to spend it in helping others and I think that it is a great thing to help others. I firmly firmly believe that like you know when you drown yourself in helping the needs of others helping Allah's creation Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala helps you I believe in that but you want to make sure that you're in check too I mean even my podcast bio it's like a hadith that talks about how whoever relieves a Muslim of a burden from the burdens of the world Allah will relieve him of a burden from the burdens in the day of judgment yes absolutely it's beautiful I believe in that that's why I do everything that I do but first take care of yourself take care of your burden take off something of your burden and I'm not saying that you're ever going to be burden free. Like you're always going to have something going on in your life. But when you see it literally shattering and coming down to zero, take care of yourself first. I, I Just take the time. You know what you need to be doing. So do it. The very, very, very final thing that I'm going to say, which is going to be very cliche, I gave myself more grace. I feel like my entire life I've been my hardest critic. I've been really harsh on myself. And I always, I always say that. But I feel like I've been really, really harsh on myself, right? But being more kinder to myself has allowed me to succeed and do a lot more than forcing myself to. When you squeeze yourself and you guilt trip yourself to produce better results, you don't produce them. And when you become too negligent and too lazy, you also don't produce them. So life is about finding that balance, that middle ground, where you are cautious with how much you underwork or overwork yourself. Where you're cautious with how you talk to yourself because that inner dialogue that you have going on in your brain it makes a very big difference work on that inner dialogue i know that people initially i used to hear advice like this too be like oh it doesn't make a difference oh it makes the sky of a difference oh trust me trust me it makes a difference when you get frustrated at yourself and you say thinking in your head oh my god this is so easy why can't i do this just be like hold on it's taking me a minute i'll figure it out like i, I stopped i stopped letting the, those inner voices those things that you're just you know that natural little thought pattern to just have a say on me i've tried my best to control it as much as i can and controlling it has significantly helped and i've tried my best to control it in a way that it is more lenient and gracious towards me because life is already really hard (laughs) people are already really hard 
last thing you need to do is be hard on yourself. You can't guilt or squeeze and force yourself to become successful or to give these results or to do better. But you can graciously push yourself to do it. And you're more likely to succeed in doing it because you're gentle and you're enjoying it. But if you squeeze and force and guilt trip yourself, why am I not like this? Why can't I focus on prayer? Why am I not reading enough Quran? You're not going to get it done. And even if you do get it done, it's not going to be from your heart. But when you're a lot more gentle, a lot more patient, you do it and you do it with love. And that's really what matters. Anyway, this was a really random little mini update, tea time, late night talks type EP. I don't even know, merge all series. Really random little updates and life talks. But I know that this was pretty chaotic and it all started with leaving social media so it was just a bunch of my thoughts because i haven't talked to you guys in like so long i haven't recorded in so long so it's just like so much to say besties but i hope this episode was beneficial to you guys in one way or another um i know that leaving social media and all those things is not for everybody but i would recommend everyone to at least try it out for a month or two and see how they feel i i genuinely say this from the bottom of my heart like everyone has a different way of coping with these things i'm just sharing what worked for me but my my most important message would be to never let that relationship you have with Allah die down and you never realize how that relationship dies down. You never realize what slowly kills that relationship or what slowly impacts you that impacts that relationship. The relationship we have with Allah is very sensitive and it's a very important one and oftentimes when you're not taking care of yourself or you're not good with yourself, you're not showing up good in that relationship either. It often makes an impact. That negative mindset that negative cycle it often comes in so try your best to be very gracious with yourself with people around you i know it's cliche advice i know a lot of you guys have heard this before trust me it makes a difference take care of yourself have a great rest of your day assalamualaikum